seven strangers, does that not make you a serial killer? I didn't kill them every day, did I? Did I go out there every day and say, hmm, I'm going to kill them? If I did, there well, would be hundreds. Well, no, it took you 12 months. Then he rings up Rex again, and that's when I looked at him and I started laughing. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Because, you know, first of all, women generally don't commit crimes this heinous. Right. Uh, you know, this is usually the domain of men. That's unfortunate. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? Good. Really excited for today's episode. I know you worked really hard on, on this one. <laughs> and it all started because you texted me and you're like, let's do this person. <laughs> well, so for our listeners, we have this spreadsheet we worked on before we ever actually even recorded. And we compiled a list of women and Danny has not used it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to find my cases naturally. <laughs> yeah. But this was one who I'm familiar with how she killed people. Mm -hmm. And the volume of it is what really drew me in. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was pushing for her in particular. And I also knew about her and I haven't done her because it's a, I guess, tough subject. I don't know. It's one where I'd like research it and be like, oh, I don't know about this. But, you know, that's what we specialize here on Murder Her. We, we discuss the hard-hitting subjects. Sure. Sure were you. <laughs> but all that aside, how's your week been? Good. Why do you sound so unsure? I was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know. It's been fine. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I don't know. The days all blend together. Yeah, it must without a job. Well, yeah. <laughs> you have a job, but you don't have like a nine-to-five job. No, I have more of like a, well, nine, I, I would actually say, yeah, I start at about nine. A typical job now is like eight to five. I do 7.30 to four. Even better. Yeah. But no, doesn't matter, Danny. We're not here to talk about my wonderful work <laughs> schedule. <laughs> We're here to talk about women who kill and or hunt down cartel members. Yes. Give us some background though. So you, you have a ton of... Of notes there so I've got eight pages of just like typed up notes right here so I guess this might be a long one not sure we'll see looking forward to it everyone <laughs> buckle in because this one will have content that's a little more not graphic but I, yeah it's not too graphic it's just like um a sensitive subject there yeah. is death of children infants yeah so if that bothers you then uh don't listen yep or or do we don't you know yeah i definitely don't get it doesn't go into like it goes into detail but not like graphic detail got it maybe i don't think we'll, so. we'll see <laughs> yeah let me know if you think it's graphic game then we can put in like a disclaimer but i don't think it is um cool. and i got most of my information from a book it's called Amelia Dyer and the Baby Farm Murders by Angela Bucket. People named Amelia, always the bad ones. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. <laughs> Ready? Yeah, go. That was a quick intro. Should we add anything else? You good? Well, the last one was too long, I think. I think so, too. Let's do this. All right. So we are going to. Flashback here to 1896. 
in London. My favorite city and time period. Sure. <laughs> Same time as Jack the Ripper. Oh, wow. Okay. I did not know that. All right. So, March. <laughs> yeah. Were they friends? <laughs> <laughs> Just like a tidbit of get you like in the, the right mindset here. Got it. There I thought maybe like, they'd be like a cameo. Mm, there's like women in Victorian dresses, I think, and Got it. hats. Those were the days <laughs> where men were men and women were objects. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's pretty much what this is. Um, so on March 30th, 1896, a bargeman notices a brown paper parcel. And he and his companion who are out there together manage to like fish the package into the boat and they start to unwrap it and they notice a small foot sticking out so they immediately go and they get a police officer and he comes and he unwraps the parcel to find the body of a small baby girl she couldn't be like more than a few months old damn off to a good start so is that graphic no it's just sad yeah so, there was a piece of tape around her neck and her eyes were protruding, so they determined the cause of death to be strangulation. With the tape? Yes. Okay. That's a piece of tape. It'll come into play. Got this it. This tape. Remember tape. What color was it? I'm like 90% sure it was white. Okay. But there's that 10% of uncertainty. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that in mind. But it doesn't matter. Okay. So, on the parcel, they notice some faint writing and a stamp. And uh, they're able to make out the writing, and it was addressed to a Miss Harding. And so they went to the mail, down to, the, like, the post office thing, and they talked to the mail clerk. And he remembered that, that package, and he said that it was actually a Miss Dyer, not a Miss Harding, and he gave the detective her address. Because I guess mail back then was, like, so minimal. It's not like today, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the officers went to her house, and she wasn't home, so they went and talked to the neighbors just to, like, get more information about her. And the neighbors talk about how she was a nurse who took in kids and fostered them, um... I'll go into more about detail about like what happened in that time, but that's all you need to know right now. So they also, one of the neighbors was like, oh yeah, I lent her some twine for that package. And the detectives looked at the twine and they're like, that's the same twine. This package is definitely hers. And then they set up a tail to watch for when she returned home and they set up a sting operation. So they have a woman pretend to be pretend like she just had a kid and she needs to put it up for adoption she's looking for a foster person so she goes and meets amelia and amelia's like okay come back later at this time with this much money and we can like start the process so also like back in this time women weren't police officers so usually when they needed a woman to be i just thought this was interesting a woman to like be an undercover person. It was usually one of the police officer's wives. Okay, look at that. It's interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. I thought for a second you were, you were going to say they hire like a courtesan or a, you know, <laughs> a lady of the night. <laughs> no, no. Usually the 
wives. Um, okay. So, let's see, where did... Okay, so then later, when they had set up the meeting, police actually go, they meet Amelia. It was pretty much just to, like, arrest her. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm so... Like, it sounds like the end of the story, but you just started. <laughs> oh, it is. We'll do a flashback. Oh, okay, got Don't it. Don't worry. Got it. So, they arrest her and they search the house, and in the house there's Jane, who will be known as Granny. Her name's Jane Smith, but I'll call her Granny. And she helped with the housework and the children that Amelia fostered. And then there is also three... Uh, children that she was fostering at the house and a woman named Mrs. Miss Chandler and her two daughters who were paying rent to live in the house as well. So the police found a lot of stuff in her house. There was various vaccination records for children, letters from parents about why they could no longer care for their children or how they're looking for somebody to foster. They also found a box that smelled like dead bodies in Amelia's room and they opened the box and they found traces of a rotten corpse so the back to the package that was found in the river they the body of the baby was so badly decomposed due to being in the water that they couldn't like positively ID it but they're able to use the letters based on like time periods and stuff and they think that it might have belonged the child was named Helena Fry who was born to Mary Fry who was a domestic servant and unmarried the day after her arrest Amelia was charged with murdering Helena Fry and when asked about the charges Amelia said I do not know anything about it it's all a mystery to me and the police were using the birth certificates, the vaccine records, letters, like any documentation they could find to try and track down any parents who had left their children with Amelia. So at this time, life was very difficult for women, especially unmarried women. And a lot of single mothers were thrown out of their homes. If they lived with their family, they're thrown out. And they were fired if, so like when they got pregnant, if they were unmarried, they got thrown out because it was like such a terrible sin. And they were fired if they had employment and they were pretty much just like left on the street. So in 1834, this is, I don't know what's 1896 minus 1834, 22? No. 90, 96 and 34? Shit, that's way more. It's like 70, right? No, 96. 60 years. 24. Is it 24? 24 to 32. 34 to 96. 34 to 96. That is 58 years. So 58 years before Amelia. Sorry. 62. A couple. 24 to 96. It's 62. A couple decades before Amelia was arrested. (laughs) More than a couple, but yeah. Yeah. In 1834, there was a law passed called the Poor Law Amendment, and it was passed, and it was, like, 
posed as if it was to try and help house the poor and get them jobs. It created this thing called workhouses where you could go and you pretty much like had somewhere to live and they'd help you find work, that kind of thing. Mm. But it also made it so that if a woman got pregnant and she was unmarried, you couldn't say who the father was, you couldn't disclose it, and pretty much this made it so the father didn't have to help out at all. He could walk away, nothing happened. It was all on the woman. He didn't do anything. Great, right? That seems to be what a lot of male rights activists are pushing these days. Seriously? Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. They're making the claim that if, you know, if a woman can, like, choose to abort or not abort without a man's input, then the man should be able to, like, not take care of the kid or have their information out there or pay child support. Put a condom on then. Danny, condoms, they just like... No. (laughs) So anyways, I mean, this law is super messed up. Like a lot of women who had jobs were domestic servants. And a lot of times they were exploited by the people they worked for who were men. And pretty much like they're in a position where it's like, hey, you either have sex with this guy or you're going to probably lose your job. So it was just, it was a very rough time for women. And a lot of times women would hide their pregnancy and if they were able to, they would then abandon their child in alleyways or dumpsters or, you know, anywhere you can conveniently leave a kid. And according to this novel, concealment of a birth and infanticide were two of the most common offenses committed by women at this time. No big surprise there. No. Yeah. And one of the options at this time for women who could afford it was to leave their child with a nurse, also called a baby farmer. And this nurse or baby farmer would then take in the child for a cost and she would supposedly find a family to adopt this kid. And sometimes that did happen. Like, And that's what Amelia was, is she took in these kids. She did not find families to adopt them, though, (laughs) unfortunately. So, usually both the baby farmer and the parents or woman would both use aliases because they wanted to protect their identities. The woman who had the kid usually didn't want people to know she had a kid. And then the baby farmer, she would hide her identity as well, just to protect herself from any possible issues in the future. Right. Right. So the book said that it pretty much likened baby farming to human trafficking. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. There must have been some cases where the baby farmer was legitimate though, right? There were, yes. But there's also like this whole underground ring of them who weren't legit and they would just like pass the baby on to other baby farmers or they would just neglect the children that kind of thing i see Mm -hmm. and to pass it on like they would charge a higher rate and then they would find a baby farmer who charges less and then they would still make a profit but not have to take care of the kid yeah yeah wow so so amelia maybe was a little more extreme but This was just a huge issue all around. Yes, very big. So back to the case. 
So while searching Amelia's house, they found a letter from a guy named Arthur, and it turns out it's her son-in-law. <clears throat> so her daughter, <laughs> her daughter was named Mary Ann, and she married Arthur. And they find this letter, and then they go to Arthur and Marianne's house, and there's, like, a ton of baby clothes at the house. Like, a ton. And they're like, hmm, maybe they're in on this, right? Like, why yeah. would they have a ton of baby clothes? So they think, of course, you know, it has to be Arthur. It can't be Marianne. So they arrest him. And supposedly Arthur and his wife, Marianne, had a child together together after getting married, and that child died. And then after that, they fostered a number of kids. And at the time he was arrested, he was fostering a child named Harold. Okay. Okay. The police are also dragging the Thames River at this point. And I was like, what does that mean? It means they are going around on boats with sticks and like poking around looking for stuff. (laughs) You're going to find a lot of things in rivers back then. Yes. They actually found another child's body. And it also had a piece of tape around its neck. Coincidence. And then they found a third child's body. And it had the same tape around the neck. (laughs) Maybe tape was readily available back then. The same tape? You know, weirder coincidences have happened. (laughs) Okay, but like, that's not a common thing to do is choke somebody with tape. Like you said it yourself, you're like, tape. Well, yeah, it's pretty unusual. I mean, I don't... But they're all, like, infants? Yeah, so, so it, it, I could see it totally working on an infant. Yeah. This is new to me, is all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, let's see. And most of the bodies at this point, the two of them were found near this, like, walking bridge that crossed over the Thames. So she probably dropped the babies from that bridge. So they began focusing on that area. And... Because I forgot to mention, she used bricks too to sink them. And that first one, the brick had fallen out, so it floated to the surface. Oh, so they were inside the packages. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So um, while they were focusing on this area, they find a carpet bag tied shut with string. And inside was a female infant and a small boy who was about one. You'll never guess what was around their necks. Um, was it tape? It was tape. What? Yeah. Man. I threw you for a loop there, didn't I? This is a crazy set of coincidences. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, they noted on the baby girl that there is four recent vaccination marks on her arm. And they are like, all right, we have enough to charge her. So, they charge Amelia with the murder of these kids and then they charge Arthur as being an accessory and they start like calling in women who have been identified as hiring Amelia and they want to see if they can identify any of the babies they found they mostly focus on the babies in the carpet bag I guess one was a toddler he was one but they like see if they can because they were the least decomposed I was going to say, how do you begin to identify? Because one, they're babies, mm-hmm. so not a whole lot of records, especially at those times. Yeah. Two, like, you, you don't fingerprint babies. You don't do no, dental they bring records in, of they babies. They bring in women to look at the dead bodies. If these women gave up their children very early in their lives, 
and like six months pass, plus decomposition, it's likely you can't begin to recognize it. It's that mother's intuition. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> but actually, so they had been, I can't, I didn't write it down. I think they had been in the water likely of like 10 days. So the okay. decomposition wasn't too bad. It wasn't great, but it wasn't too bad. And one of the women was able to identify the little girl as her baby. Um, she had just gotten vaccines before she went to Amelia hence the vaccines on the arm. Yeah. And then she reports that the child had been extremely healthy when she dropped her off. How could the child have possibly been healthy if it got vaccinated? Hashtag vax kills. Nope. We're not going there. <laughs> Anyways, so um, she also left some clothing with this kid. Baby. Kid. I don't know. So she also <laughs> left some clothing for the kid and... That clothing was found at Arthur's house. So Arthur, totally innocent then? I mean, it doesn't prove that he knew what was going on. That's true. So let's see, the boy that was almost one, he actually was able to be identified as Harry Simmons. And a woman had been caring for him before having to give him up to Amelia. And Amelia hadn't had him that long. So... According to the um, person who was caring for the boy, his mom gave birth to him, and then one month... Wait. Oh, okay. So his mom was pregnant, and then his father ended up dying, and she gave birth one month after the father had died. So essentially, she was single. Yeah. Out of curiosity, in those situations, does she face the same level of shame as the other single moms or is she given a little more respect because she was with a partner and then the partner happened to die i think she's given a little bit more respect but she also doesn't have any like support at that point because she can't easily get a job and she has to care for a kid she ended up having to take a job abroad as a maid and she gave her son to her best friend who had six other children and her friend kept the boy as long as she could but it just got too expensive and she couldn't afford to keep feeding this extra mouth and she had to put the child up for adoption and she saw an ad in the paper offering to adopt a child for a fee of 10 euros so She contacts this person in the ad who calls herself Miss Harding, which was the name on the package. Mm -hmm. And after being reassured that the child would be well cared for, she met Miss Harding at a train station and gave her the boy. And that's the last she ever saw of him. Miss Harding had told her that she would be able to visit whenever and the boy would be well cared for, but she never heard from Miss Harding again. So the girl who was identified um, in the same bag. According to her mom, Evelina, she had moved to Cheltenham. Cheltenham? Yeah, sounds right. Okay. And she got a job in a bar, and then she ended up getting pregnant, and she had her daughter out of wedlock and saw an ad in the paper for a couple who couldn't have kids and were looking to adopt. And 
She corresponded with the woman who wrote the ad and the woman was like, we live in a nice cottage in a nice little town. We just want to have a baby, but we can't. And Evelina met with the woman who identified herself as Miss Harding and she paid her 10 euros to take the child. Now for her, this was almost a year's salary that she had saved up. Yeah. Whoa. 10 euros in 1890-ish. Nuts, okay. Yeah. So then, at the time that she was arrested, a nine-year-old boy named Willie was living with Amelia at the time she got arrested. And he had lived with her about three months at the time that she was arrested. So he'd been with her three months. And he moved around with her for a little bit, and he carried his possessions in a carpet bag. I see. So the, the nine-year-old boy is the true mastermind behind all of this. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> okay. So he says that he had last seen the bag when Amelia had placed, had said that she put a ham in it and she was just using it to transport the ham to her daughter and her husband-in-law. And that's the last time he saw it. Got it. So while Amelia was like, going on in this trial and everything, police were kind of piecing together who she was. And she was born on November 27th in 1837. She had five older siblings. Her father was a master shoemaker and they lived in a comfortable life in the middle lower class. All of her and her Siblings ended up being able to go to school when education was private, so it cost money. It wasn't until 1870 the Education Act was passed that provided free education. So, I thought this this was just interesting. Amelia's sister, named Sarah Ann, died at age six, and her parents ended up having another kid, and they named this kid Sarah Ann, and that baby died at five months cursed name yeah but like the rest of the kids lived it's just sarah ann okay isn't that weird if any of you future parents out there want to roll that dice (laughs) sarah ann is available i don't know i just thought that was so weird okay so amelia's mother died when amelia was 11 of meningitis and the older kids end up getting jobs to help the family out and then The day before Amelia's 22nd birthday, her father died of bronchitis. And at this point, Amelia already had moved out and she was living with her aunt at the time in Bristol because there's more job opportunities there. And she was working as a dressmaker, like in a, like almost sweatshop. You know how bad labor, yeah. Oh yeah, back then, for Mm -hmm. sure. And... On November 22nd in 1861, she married good old George Thomas. Now, Mr. George had just lost his previous wife, so he was a widower, and the marriage certificate stated his age was 48, but his birth certificate suggests that he was actually 56, and Amelia's age that she said on the marriage certificate was 30, but she was actually 23. So they just lied to hide the age gap. 
I wonder why. Because it at is that a time, wild age gap, 23 and 56. Yeah, but at the time, that was probably no, somewhat normal. No way. Really? Yeah, not that that much. That's how much... I don't know. I can't... That's over double her age. No, but I, like I know viewing it through our lens, that's bad. But at that time, it was women still were bad. basically... It was still bad. ...property. No. Like, why would anyone... You know. I don't know. <laughs> it but just like, seems weird that how they treat women back then. Yeah. The age gap is suddenly where people would be like, no, that's too far. I don't know. I, that's just an odd. I thing think that rule of half your age plus seven still existed yeah. back then. Um, it's a solid rule. So he <laughs> so he was fifty six. Mm -hmm. So half his age would be twenty eight plus, plus seven. seven would be thirty five. So she was twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough, right? Close enough. Danny, <laughs> age is just a number. And the number that signifies a lot of stuff, like <laughs> where you are in life, like your. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Okay, yeah. so, um, after eight years of marriage, George, they ended up. They had one kid. I think her name was. I did not write it. She comes up again later. Uh oh, here it is. Mary Ellen. Not to be confused with her other daughter, who she has later in life called Mary Ann. Why do people do this? <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, after eight years of marriage, George ends up passing away of... Bronchi. No. Meningitis. No. Syphilis. No. Hold on. Cancer. No. Hold on. Uh, duct taped to the throat. You're not going to guess it. Duct taped to the throat. I think it's a general term they just used for any kind of sickness back then because they say later that a bunch of the kids died of this. And I'm like... Sudden infant death syndrome. It's, no, that is heartbreaking, though. So, wait, wait. You, oh, you're still going. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Something common back then. I mean, the old. He died of the old. He was old. What's fifty-six plus eight? We're not doing more math. It was old. <laughs> That's sixty-four. There you go. No. Yes. No, it was not old age. Mm. You're like literally. It's not like something people necessarily die of here now uh, whooping cough no the clap there's not a vaccine for it no <laughs> it wasn't lung cancer no damn it was it a uh, virus it could have been but they don't call it that it's mm. like it's more of a symptom than like a thing fine tell me diarrhea damn it of course <laughs> that was that was the it's like during the Civil War, that killed more people than any than combat did. But like, it's not like, is it actually, it's like definitely a symptom. Like he had diarrhea for a reason, right? Right. Well, like it I could mean, have been food poisoning and he didn't like hydrate or something. Yeah, but no, diarrhea used to be a, a massive killer. Like a death sentence? All, not like a death sentence, but it was very common to die of it just because it would dehydrate you so quickly. And red, red, like clean water wasn't readily available. Mmm, that's a good point. But no, like if you look up the stats for the Civil War uh -huh. in the U.S., mm -hmm. diarrhea killed more people than anything else because you're eating crappy food yeah. and dr drinking dirty water. Ew. So your body's expelling all that as quickly as it can, and you dehydrate and die. Interesting. Okay, I'm, well, I read that and I was like, what? But you're yeah. just like, yeah, that's normal. Okay. For, for the time, yeah. Yeah. It, it, no, th this comedian has a great bit about it too, where 
like back then if you told someone like oh no i have diarrhea i'd be like oh no you could die and now you tell someone you have you have diarrhea and they're like drink some water eat a banana like (laughs) (laughs) eat some what's it called the brat diet or whatever the brat diet bread rice wait there's definitely banana in there oh wait no not bread banana rice something with an a and something with a t i don't know it's it's like it's like a bunch of like boring food that you're supposed to eat if you don't feel good. The brat diet. Bananas, rice, applesauce, toast. There you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyways, after George dies, well, while she was married to George, she worked as a nurse and then after George died, one of her coworkers in the hospital was like, "You should look into baby farming. I do it and it's great." And um, around the time of her husband's death, she was working at, excuse the language here, this is what it is called, I apologize, Bristol Lunatic Asylum. I thought you were going to go much worse than that. (laughs) That's pretty bad. I apologize. It was a place for, it doesn't matter. Okay, so it would have been a very difficult job and... Amelia taking it and keeping this job suggested that she was having trouble finding other work. So her coworker would take like affluent pregnant women into her home to hide them while they're pregnant. And then she would help them give birth and then offer to take care of the children after gaining the mom's trust. She was like, I will take the kids in and find them a home. So... Amelia began doing this as well, but she would mostly take in children for a fee. In 1872, so this is before she was arrested or anything. Yeah. In 1872, by 20 years, back in math, <laughs> Amelia married again to a man named William Dyer, hence Amelia Dyer. Yes. And he was an illiterate laborer which was probably common back then. And they moved around Bristol for a few years. They had two children, Marianne and William Samuel. So at this point, she has three kids. Mary Ellen. Mary Ann. The first Mary. (laughs) And so um, this entire time, Amelia would take in children to support their income. And... She would post ads in the paper saying she was a married woman with no children who lived in a nice country home and they wanted to adopt, that kind of thing. Uh, Moving around so much and using different names led Amelia to stay out of the spotlight. And during this time, the children in her care died frequently (laughs) and she would take their bodies to the, the hospital and doctors and stuff. And I know it's weird, right? But Yeah, why? So she didn't kill them necessarily at this time. She, oh, okay. Yeah. Did she just leave them in such a condition where they were sure to die and then take them to the hospital to die? Let's find out. Okay. So she kept bringing these dead babies to different hospitals, but this one doctor was like, it's weird. She's given me like more than normal amount of dead babies here. <laughs> more than normal? <laughs> He's like, there's an abundance of infant deaths here. (laughs) So he ends up going to the police and he's like, there's this chick who keeps um, dropping off these dead babies. And 
So this doctor goes to the police and the police actually arrest her while they're investigating. And she goes to trial for it because the doctor's like, these deaths are suspicious. I'm surprised anyone cared. They all give like an act of caring. I don't know. You'll see. Anyway, so kind of like some people do now where they're like, we don't want women to like do abortion because of the baby. But then at the same time, after the baby's born, they don't care what happens to it. Well, hey, they care through thoughts and prayers. They will think about and pray for those babies. So if, if they happen to, you know, end up in a shitty circumstance, God's plan. <laughs> so um, <laughs> where was I? So during the trial, a woman named Jane Williams, who had been a previous tenant of Amelia's and then a friend, she took the stand and she had known Amelia for three years and she talks about how Amelia had asked her to take in two very small babies for a while to help out since Amelia had too many children in her care at the moment. And when Amelia dropped the babies off, they were both with Jane. They are both very sick and Amelia said she'd been giving them something called Godfrey's, Godfrey's Cordial when they got too fussy. And it was this lovely sweet syrup that was an opium lace sedative and that'll calm them down yeah jane said that both children were very dirty and had diarrhea when they arrived and also refused to eat might be because they're on opium i don't know danny it could be anything <laughs> <laughs> so then Jane has them for a little bit, but Amelia comes and takes them both back, and then Jane never sees them again. It turns out, like, during this time, some the police were, like, visiting Amelia or something, so she was like, oh, I gotta get rid of these quick. They, they're sickly. <laughs> yeah. So, then Jane never sees them again, and that's that. Next to the stand was Amelia's second... No, sorry her oldest daughter, Mary Ellen. And she says that around nine children had died in Amelia's care since 1878. So she was arrested around 75-ish. So this is what, like three years. Mary Ellen says at least nine kids. It's likely more, but all Mary Ellen was aware of is nine. Okay, by, the, by this point. So, th so this was, sorry, three years prior to getting arrested. Great. Wait, no. This, this is when she's on trial in 1878. So this is the first time she's arrested. Oh, okay. Got it. Got sorry. it. Sorry. No, so, no, no. Yeah. She's been arrested prior to being arrested a second time. This, this is the first time she got arrested because a doctor was like, too many kids are dying in your care. So, so she had a rap sheet. Yes. For doing this prior to her final arrest. Yes. And she was still let go. Well, the coroner comes and he studies the latest infant who had been dropped off with the doctor. And he's like, well, I can't prove how she died. So it's probably just natural causes. And she ends up getting charged with 12 months in prison due to child neglect. But she is released in 1880 after six months in prison. So she gets released early. 
So during this time before her arrest, like before she spent time in prison, it seems like she would just take in kids, give them this opium syrup to keep them quiet, and also like lower their appetite and then let them die naturally and give them off to whatever doctor. Wow, that's pretty messed up MO. Right. Because that could take quite some time. But like, then she's arrested and she's like, I gotta figure this out. I can't be arrested again. So, in ni- or 1891, Amelia, Amelia was living in Stapleton and it's like the suburbs of Bristol, which is like a city. And her husband, William, I think was his name. The second husband, Mr. Dyer. Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> I should know, it's like on the previous page. So he's not important. He was working in a vinegar factory. And at this point, Mary Ellen, the kid from the first marriage, had moved out and was on her own life now. And then in the 1890 census, it appears that William and Amelia kind of like split up sometime during this time. So now she's alone again. Got it. Is there anything that talks about what the re- reason was? Mm-mm. It was after her first arrest. So it could have had something to do with that. But William just kind of disappears. Like, he's not dead. He just, like, goes off and leaves. Okay. And they never, like, bring him in to see if he knew anything or what. But I don't think he did. Got it. So... In 1890, a woman comes to Amelia, and she's a governess, and she's pregnant, and she's single, and she had an illicit relationship with a man from a respectable family, but the man's family forbade the couple from marrying, likely because she was pregnant, and that's bad, because then it means they would have had sex before. It's a whole thing. But but it was his kid, right? Yeah, but they had, they had the, like, the... The kid was there before the marriage. It's still their grandkid. Doesn't matter. You can't do that before marriage. Come on. Right. What was I thinking? I know. She's tarnished goods now. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, this woman's like left to figure it out. So she goes to Amelia and she's like, I'm pregnant. I need somewhere. And Amelia takes her in, takes care of her, helps her give birth, and then takes the kid. So the woman leaves, and then a year later, in 1891, the man and woman ended up getting married and decide they want the child. And like, yeah, maybe they'll pretend they adopted it. I don't know. But this has never happened before. And Amelia's like, holy snaps. So (laughs) (laughs) she thinks quick on her feet, and she's like, oh, you're child was adopted by a woman I met at the train station and she gives them like vague details and sends them on this like wild goose chase and uh, the couples like get sick of this and they end up calling the police on Amelia and after the police come and question her Amelia cuts her own throat her own throat her own throat okay and The wounds were superficial, but she's committed to an asylum. Is asylum offensive? No. What's a a correct term here? Mental health facility. There you go. Yeah. And 
This is in November of 1981, and she stays there for three months before being dished. 1881. 1881. And she ends up being... Oh, no, wait. I switched them. It's 1891. Queenie and lived in this house. They used fake names. 
So Queenie, she called them by fake names. And so when the police came and tried to find them, they didn't have the real names. And like when they went to the landlady, it wasn't the real oh, names. Oh no. So like it couldn't be tied to them. It's And this was the daughter mm-hmm. of Amelia. The daughter and the da- son-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. So wow, okay. Apple tree <laughs> analogy. <laughs> right. So let's see. So then Amelia moves in with them and she keeps taking in babies and pregnant women, but eventually she moves out on her own. She's like, I'm good. And the parents find her again. I like these parents. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's crazy, right? Like, oh, how, I wonder how much money they spent, like, finding her. Yeah, I do wonder if at any point they suspected their kid was dead. Yeah. Um, so they show up again. Amelia, like, is once again, like, I don't know where she is. It's weird. And then. Mary Ann calls a doctor again because she's worried Amelia's going to try to commit suicide and the doctor comes and he's like, she rattled on for 10 minutes and she was very animated. So she's put into an asylum (laughs) and she ends up being discharged a few months later. But okay, so after being discharged, she stays in a workhouse, which is like this place where you work for housing. And it was part of that like law I talked about earlier poor law amendment or whatever so she goes there and she meets this woman named jane smith who i mentioned earlier is known as granny and this is in 1895 so she meets this woman and she convinces her to help her with this baby farming business and she's like i'm taking these kids who need help and i find them families and like i need help with it and Jane, aka Granny, is like, okay. I mean, I'm just stuck here in this like terrible place, anyways. So they go together and they move to the fish ponds for a few weeks. And during this few weeks, they took in about six children, according to the neighbors. So it could have been way more. They're very good at hiding it. And <laughs> okay, this is one of them was a two year old boy named Birdie. And they took him out for a walk for about three hours one day and just, like, returned without him. And the boy was found later in a park by himself. And he was guided. He, like, told the police where he lived. And they took him back to the house he had been staying in. And by the time the police showed up, Amelia and Jane were both gone. And apparently, Amelia had lied to all the neighbors and said the boy... Or sorry, and said her name was Annie Smith, and all she called the other woman was Granny. Okay, so why didn't she kill him? Well, that one, but two, did they rent some house? Yeah, they rented all these houses. Just to, did they rent a house per kid? No. Okay. It was like one house where all the kids lived. Got it. I'm just wondering why. Yeah, why they didn't kill him? Why they left him out somewhere he couldn't? reasonably find his way his way back from and i don't i have so many questions so they orchestrated this so that when they dropped the kid off they could go home pack their stuff and leave right but surely they had other kids with them yeah so So, did yeah so 
maybe they had gotten rid of all the other kids at this point. It was just him left, and they had been planning on leaving for a while. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. That That's just it. like a hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. But also, Amelia did get attached to some of the kids. There's a kid I'll talk about later named William, who she was like fond of. Maybe she liked Birdie and didn't want to kill him. I see. Maybe she couldn't, like, Jane was never in on this, so maybe she couldn't get, like, time away from Jane to do it. I don't know. But if Jane wasn't in on it, she was still okay with abandoning a kid. Yeah. Well, so. maybe Amelia told her, like, hey, we're dropping this kid off here, and he's being picked up by, like, whoever was adopting him. I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll never we'll just, know. We'll just I'll leave be... him here and... <laughs> The new parents will surely find him. That's how you build character. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, so, okay. Where did I go? Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> so, soon after the police find this empty house, pretty much, they also find a body of an infant in a river nearby. And. They find about 30 telegrams about adoptions in the house that she had been staying in. And they're like, okay, this is weird. They end up, regardless of if the infant body belongs to them or not, they abandoned a child and they're clearly taking in more. So they put out a warrant for Annie Smith, which leads to nowhere. And at this time, Amelia, Granny, Arthur, and Marianne end up moving in together. They kind of, like, moved in together and then moved about and only stayed in places a few weeks at a time. With all the kids or just just her and her daughter? and With kids. Mostly infants. Which is easy to hide and get rid of and... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, they would lie to all their neighbors and tell, like, different stories of where they came from and what Arthur did for employment because he was, like, the, quote, head of household even though it was Amelia bringing in all the money. <laughs> was she paying for them, like subsidizing their living? Was she paying for Arthur and Marianne? Yeah. yeah. Got it. So, I mean, they were most likely helping her. Do you think, think they were aware of the murders? or? I do. Okay. I think so. So, like, all these things they would tell neighbors are all, like, these lies that would pretty much, if the police, like, came around and like asked questions or anything it like led them down dead ends or like the wrong way and in december of 1895 they all and so they're only together a few months they all ended up splitting ways with some of the kids they had so like the older kids (laughs) they got rid of all the young ones um amelia and granny took a young child named willie who I mentioned earlier. I don't know if I got his name right, though. He's the one that Amelia liked. And Arthur and Mary took a baby named Harold. And later, Amelia also ends up adopting an 11-year-old girl named Ellen. And she would generous? Be- hmm? No. <laughs> I mean, Ellen's old enough to be around in this time. <laughs> yeah. She probably has a painting somewhere in her attic. Like, um, fuck, what's up? What's up, book? Where there's that painting that ages and the guy doesn't. Oh, I don't know, but that sounds cool. Dorian Gray. Why does that sound so familiar? Dorian Gray. Because you probably read it in high school. (laughs) Maybe. Anyway. (laughs) 
So Amelia used Willie and Ellen as like these healthy decoys for any nosy neighbors. And she was like, look, they're alive and healthy, so clearly I'm a good person. I took in these children. And that kind of thing. So, since Amelia ended up in... Oh, so Amelia moves to this place called Caversham, and while there, there's these rumors about infants being found in the Thames. Thames, Thames. Yeah. <laughs> and when the body of the infant was found in 1896, it was like the first time they're able to get anything off of the wrapping, which led them to Amelia. Does that make sense? So that was the only time they were able to get like a name or any information to, right. to lead so them like to. So like babies yeah. had been being found in this river for a while, but this was the first time there was anything that like led them like to be able to follow anything because right. there was no DNA back then. There's no fingerprinting. There was nothing. It was yeah. all, I don't know what's the word, like, um, well, I mean, I don't, it just yeah, you you had to find some piece, yeah. piece of hard evidence. Yeah, but that, like, that's not even the right word for it. Yeah, it's all kind of conjecture. Is that the right word? Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's all like I don't know. It doesn't matter. But anyways, <laughs> no. they it was like the first time they had a clue they could follow through with. Right. So back to this point where the body had been found and they rested Amelia. The body with the paper with the wrap being with the mm -hmm. name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 1896. Okay. So she was um, arrested and awaiting trial and she had already attempted suicide with a shoelace. And she was apparently considered mentally unwell and refusing to eat. However, when she was writing letters to Granny, she sounded perfectly fine. And she asked for new clothes and wanted a certain outfit for her trial and, like, all this stuff. But, like, when people would try to talk to her in prison, she would, like, pretend to... Not pre We don't know if it was pretend. It was probably pretend, but she would, like, ramble yeah. and all this stuff, you know. It, no, it, it must... Because otherwise, how can she go about living her life normally? We and and Because she's very good at optics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, planning, like fake name renting yeah. different houses yeah this is not an insane person in in the sense that she's not aware of what she's doing right it's a good point so at this time apparently surprisingly her relationship with granny was quite strained she was supposed to be paying her granny um but she'd like go months without giving her anything and but if she oops but if she's in an asylum how could she pay granny this is when she's in prison so there's a couple years between asylums okay where she so, was and she was like raking in cash with these kids like raking in yeah but if she's in prison how could she pay granny this was before she was arrested so she was just like not paying her oh got it like okay. throughout the whole thing Got it, got it. So yeah, before even this latest, yeah. Yeah, so she was, so she like went to the last asylum and then went to the workhouse where she met Jane. And then that was in like 1895. So she was with Jane. Jane was with her for like a year. And there was no asylum during that time. Got it. And okay. she was supposed to be paying Jane and she wasn't. And Jane also didn't like how she was treating the kids. She didn't approve of that. 
So like they're like kind of not on the same page. So so Jane wasn't fully aware of what was happening. She was not aware at all. Okay, that explains a few things. Yes. During the trial, it was like media everywhere on it, you know? And thousands of parents would write in and talk about how they'd give them their kids for adoption and they're trying to find out if their children, like, if they had given them to Amelia and if the kids were dead and like all this stuff, you know? The police were continuing to work on dredging the river and they ended up finding another body of a baby under 12 months old. It appeared that it was a girl and she was wearing a white nightgown with the initials JD on it. She also had tape around her neck (laughs) and Granny actually remembered how a little girl wearing that nightgown Uh, Amelia had said that she had been adopted and she was going to meet the parents at the train station. So, on then a policeman was walking the shore of the Thames and he found a parcel that contained the body of a male child. And both of these bodies were extremely decomposed. But once again, there was tape around the neck. They were able to use Jane or Granny to figure out that the mom was possibly Elizabeth Golding, and she ended up hearing about it from the media and coming, and she identified the nightgown as belonging to hers, and she had actually been communicating with Mary Ann, and Mary Ann, Amelia's daughter, she posed as a childless woman, who was married and wanted a kid. And so she's the one who adopted this kid who ended up with Amelia. And the mom paid 10 euros and she and Marianne actually communicated for some time after. But then Elizabeth began getting her mail back saying Marianne was no longer at this address and she never heard from her again. That's okay. So the daughter, like you said, for sure in on it. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't aware of the murder, but she was certainly aware of the scam as a whole. Yes, and baby farming. Yeah. So, Marianne ends up being arrested. So at this time, Arthur is arrested, Marianne is arrested, and Amelia is arrested. So, Arthur actually ends up being released due to lack of evidence to convict him. But he's, like, once again arrested because he was tied to the abandonment of Queenie. Because, like, this media thing went viral. There's pictures of him everywhere, you know? Newspaper pictures. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Black and white. (laughs) I I was going to say, I don't know if it was called going viral back then either. Keeping it hip, Gabe. Yeah. (laughs) Keeping the story to the time. (laughs) So... He was given three months of hard labor in prison as his sentencing for child abandonment. Reasonable. Yep. So after the trial, the jury met for five minutes, and Amelia Dyer was sentenced to death by hanging. And on June 30th, she was hung. And before being Wait, hung... June 30th, what year again? 18... Nine, yeah, 1893. 1886. 1886. I wrote 1986. (laughs) 1886. 
Amelia Dyer was hung. No, I'm sorry. 1896. Yeah. 1896. Yes. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> it was the same year that first body with the stamp was found. Yes. Okay, cool. It was actually, so the first, the body was found on March 30th of 1896, and then she was hung on June 30th. Okay, so that's a very expedited death penalty. Yes. It actually was a little bit longer than usual back then because Marianne had tried to say that she needed Amelia in her trial, so... Amelia couldn't be hung until after Marianne's trial, like as a witness. Yeah. And they waited a little bit, and then they're like, Amelia's not saying anything. Like, she's useless, so we're going to hang her anyways. But before she was hung, Amelia ended up making a confession to try and exonerate Marianne. And she said, what was done, I did myself. She ended up pleading guilty to just one murder, but estimates based on like timelines and the years she was active and like how many letters they found she could have most likely killed between 200 and 400 children i would probably say just like based on from reading this book i would say like probably closer to 400 in my unprofessional opinion yeah yeah that makes her the most effective serial killer we've covered. Yeah, um, Marianne ended up being discharged and released. Wow, Marianne. Because of Amelia's... Testimony. Yeah, confession. Confession, yeah, I should say. Yeah, she didn't testify. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like I wasn't super clear, but after she had been arrested the first time and spent six months in prison, she stopped giving the dead babies to doctors and stuff, and that's when she started... Yeah. Just straight up killing them herself instead of neglect. With the tape, she would choke them and then dispose of their bodies in like rivers. Yeah. No, I, I got that. Okay. She realized she couldn't keep doing this. The mm-hmm. doctor turned her in. Yeah. And then by killing them herself, it was also faster than waiting for them to die. Yeah. So. Really bizarre choice to keep the tape. On them. On them. And to leave them clothed. Mm-hmm. It seems like two very easy things she could have yeah. done to... Oh, that reminds me. So you know how Arthur was getting a bunch of packages? Yeah. Um, It was mentioned briefly, but this is what I kind of like pieced together in my own mind is he was taking all the extra clothes and pawning them off to take in the money. So I think Amelia was sending him baby clothes. I think... To sell. Yeah. Oh, and they didn't catch him on anything, really. Mm-mm, because he was selling baby clothes that Amelia gave him. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Wow, so I, I'm a little surprised she had that mother instinct to try and save her own daughter. I, I would have assumed that just wasn't something she had. Yeah, but I mean, you're going to die? Like, why not? I don't know. Yeah. It's, you- <laughs> It seemed like she liked Arthur more than her daughter, to be honest. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. Was it something? It like... was just like when I was reading, she would, she, I think it's because Arthur was like in on it with her more so than Marianne. And she had actually written like a ton of letters to try and exonerate him. Oh. And the judge just like threw them away. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
I mean, e- even so, his punishment was three months of hard labor. For abandoning, abandoning Queenie. It wasn't even yeah. for anything he possibly did with Amelia. Right. Ugh. Anyways. Do, do you know if, if Mary Ann and Arthur had any kids? Bio kids? So that one, it's possible they did. At one point they said they did, but it was really hard to like prove anything back then. Like paperwork doesn't last right. 200 years. 200? I don't know. How long has it been? And that'd be like 130. There you go. And um, so at one point they said they did, but it's possible it was a kid that they had just taken in for money. I see. So, but that kid ended up not uh, being alive. <laughs> yeah. That's an awkward way to phrase that. That kid <laughs> ended up passing away. <laughs> he ended up running out of life. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of like a nice way to say it. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that was that was a fun one. Thanks, Gabe. No, it it was fascinating because I mean, yeah, she really is one of the most effective killers we've covered. Yeah, and her coworker that she had taken on like the idea from ended up getting hung too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, but it also makes you wonder, like. There has to be somebody, there has to be so many women that did this who weren't caught. Like, maybe yeah. not to the extent Amelia did, but like. Even then, I could totally see someone who was just, who was a little more clever mm-hmm. pulling like, this off. If she hadn't used that parcel with her alias on it that she yeah. used for everything, like, come oh, on. Absolutely. Yeah. That does bring in two fun facts I have. What are the fun facts? First, have. You ever heard of why chainsaws were invented? To cut trees? <laughs> no. What? Hold on, let me pull up the uh, exact wording here. Okay. It's funny, I actually learned this today. Chainsaws were invented for childbirth. What? <laughs> yeah. To cut up in the woman? Yeah. Why? Wait, which part of her? <laughs> You don't want to know. <laughs> Let's just say that's why they are invented. Oh, I think everyone definitely wants to know. Nope. Anyways, I no thought way. that was wild. I found that out today. You cannot leave our listeners hanging here. I'll just say it was before C-sections. But was it to cut like the from the belly down? No. So it was to cut yeah. the pelvic area yeah. open. Yeah. And women survived this? Some. This seems ill-advised. Yes. Huh. That. So at what Wait, point? let's find out the year. It, it was a long time ago. It was uh, 1780. I see her now. I'll read so, off the description since no, Danny's too squeamish. That's gross. That's what the people want, Danny. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to so, pause my ears here. Yeah. So according to Business Insider... Two doctors invented the chainsaw in 1780 to make the removal of pelvic bone easier and less time-consuming during childbirth. It was powered by a hand crank and looked like a modern-day kitchen knife with little teeth on a chain that wound in an oval. So, to make things a little less gruesome for you all, like they said here, it was it was smaller, the size of a knife, but and it was hand-cranked. So, it, it does look less gruesome 
when you look at the original chainsaw. Just don't look at the fatality rate. Yeah. I mean, the purpose of it is fucked since I don't think you need to remo- remove pelvic bone. Nope. <laughs> for childbirth. <laughs> Anyways, you want the second fun fact? Yeah. Okay. So... Remember how earlier I mentioned that Jack the Ripper happened at the same time as these? Uh, There is this theory that Jack the Ripper and Amelia Dyer are one and the same. And that uh, Jack the Ripper's victims were botched or abortions committed by Amelia. Oh, that is a cool theory. Isn't that wild? I mean, yeah. it's absolutely wild, and there is nothing to back it up. <laughs> since they were in the same time period in the same place, yeah, 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 I have a hard time buying it, of course, but because I think the victims were stabbed. But like, maybe it was botched, and then she was like, "Uh oh, gotta fix this." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no one will suspect me if I just stab them. <laughs> I just, it came up like a few times and I was like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that'd be fun to mention. <laughs> no, that is a fun fact. There you go. Maybe some of you, you clever people out there can loosely connect some dots and make <laughs> the theory take off. Mm-hmm. Same way that you can say that water kills people. Water does kill people. Just slowly. I mean, we all <laughs> drink and we all die. Everyone who's ever drank water has died. Exactly. Can you Checkmate. prove that it doesn't? Like, come on. <laughs> Anyways, okay, that's all I got. Well, thank you for the very fun facts. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that again. No, it should be a thing. Mm, okay. We'll, we'll give it a catchy name. We'll workshop it. <laughs> <laughs> so? Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. It... Thanks for the, the very th- thorough story. Very was... long. I am yeah. so sorry. <laughs> I feel like I botched your beginning because uh, I like I like the style of doing like ending and then like flashback because we don't do that. I didn't know you. it was happening. I thought about mentioning yeah. it. I was going to be like, <laughs> I'm going to actually do this in the like um, order that the novel did. I see. And yeah. I did it for my notes and then usually I'll rearrange my notes so it's mm. in like chronological. But I kind of liked it. I was like, I'm just going to leave it. No, I think it's a cool, cool yeah. effect. But yeah, because I was so, I was like, I was like, whoa, what is happening? She's <laughs> already know. getting arrested. Like, did she go on to like kill a bunch Break of Break out? Yeah. yeah. So, so it just threw me. I might just chop it up so it my surprise is gone and yeah. Or but like maybe keep the explanation because it is confusing. If yeah. I, I mean, is it? I don't know. No, I mean, I, I guess it's possible our listeners won't be accustomed to that as well. Yeah. So they could also be thrown off. I don't know. We'll have to see how it sounds. Yeah, yeah. We'll play, we'll play it back and all that. I had some stats yeah. pulled up about like modern day murder female. Uh-huh. serial killers but they don't seem uh, yeah very applicable here since this is such an unusual like she was a serial killer for sure right but this was not would you say it was financial gain for her for sure yeah. financial gain uh, i thought maybe there was a bit of pleasure taken in it but uh, like going into it i was going to you know i assumed there, there would be some pleasure she would take in killing them but it seemed very methodical and very much yeah purely for the money Mm-hmm. So she, yeah, she just wanted the money, and it sounds like sounds like she made a killing if she was getting, you know, these women's one year salary per baby, and <laughs> killed an estimated three to four hundred. That's a ton of money. Yeah. Well, she charged each person like different, but I see. 
the and also the person who was like one year salary she was like lower spectrum of income i see but the second fun fact third fun fact i have is fuck i lost it what, what were we talking about she we talked about chainsaws or we talked about no wait we were just talking about something and i thought of i was like oh i should mention your salary she killed a lot of babies for financial oh pain. okay so back when the trial first started uh attorneys cost money there was no nothing provided oh, yeah, so yeah. she had to hire her own attorney and that was expensive so that used a lot of money but um like right around this trial a law was passed where if you're on trial for murder you would be like and you didn't have money for a lawyer you'd be appointed one i just thought that was crazy interesting but only for murder for some reason like maybe for like if it was the death penalty yeah that's pretty nice we obviously have something similar now across the board Mm -hmm. so that must have been the beginnings of law adapting and realizing you know it's not really fair if you have to pay to be defended every time yeah but the book suggested like it could have been a lot of money spent on attorneys but i almost wonder if maybe she had some like stashed away somewhere or something because it doesn't add up to like that much being able to be spent on an attorney or rent like it just doesn't make sense did it mention her lifestyle at all did she live lavishly or? No, not at all. It said that she like barely furnished her places. Like so that she money kept up her somewhere. appearance so she would look like a, like, you know. Respectable woman. Yes. <laughs> but. So, so yeah, that money must have gone somewhere. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling a lot of it was siphoned off to Marianne and Arthur. Yeah, it could be. Mm-hmm. Damn, maybe there's a... But that's like pure speculation. It's not been proven. Yeah. And at the time, tracking financials would not be that easy. Mm-mm. I'd be quite... I do wonder, yeah, if she left left a, a small fortune to her daughter and husband. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And we'll never know. Yeah, they're but... all dead now, but... <laughs> <laughs> but they have impossible heirs out there. Yeah, I mean, possibly, because her son and then her older daughter, I think, ended up having kids. Marianne and Arthur might have had one, but he died. Yeah, see, that always fascinates me, is the the relatives, the offspring of these people. Like, I wonder if this is something they tell their kids about, like their great-grandkids. Will will Amelia Dyer's great-grandkids know what she did? Or is that something a family just kind of sweeps under the rug and they don't talk about? I feel like back then they would have swept it under the rug and then it might have been lost unless they've done like a genealogy thing. That's true. But surely with the last name. Names don't always stick with it, though. Like the girl would have lost hers. And then if the son had girls, that would have lost. Yeah, it's true. Unfortunately. Yeah. Do you ever wonder if somewhere in your genetic line there's a mass murderer i have no idea i know my grandfather's mom was super bipolar like really Mm. mentally ill and not easily stabilized um but like besides my grandparents that's the only thing i know about my extended like family isn't that crazy they don't talk about it yeah no yeah it's my my parents knew 
all of their grandparents mm-hmm. but like that's where mine ends too yeah mm. like i never met them they were they were dead by the time i was around yeah i know my grandma ended up moving here from armenia because of the genocide thing that happened <laughs> hey so. according to the turks it didn't happen <laughs> Didn't they acknowledge it happened recently? I think they... No, I think that was us. The oh, that was us. Uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways. Well, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I doubt, I honestly, like, doubt her... Any, ex, like, family that's alive knows. Yeah, I mean, the possibility for that exists within our own families, and we don't know. Exactly. I, I would be, yeah, why would we assume they, they would... No. Mm-hmm. We should ask Amelia. Is that a family name? Amelia. There you go. <laughs> maybe that's what inspired our friend to be named Amelia. Yeah. Maybe her family's great, great, great grandma was Amelia Dyer. I think it would just be a single great. Great, great, great. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> just great just grandma. Great, just great. <laughs> are, are you or are you saying she was a great, as in an excellent great grandmother? Yes, that's what I meant. Got it. <laughs> Um, okay. We good? Anything yeah. else? Sorry, people. I don't think we have a whole lot to say. That I was mean, a pretty crazy story in and of itself. Yes. So. Yeah. Use condoms. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram, the Facebook, the Meta Facebook. Um, the Metaverse. <laughs> the Metaverse, whatever they're calling it nowadays. What else? Um, check out our website. We have a subreddit, which we don't use. but We have a subreddit. You know, go in there, drop images, yeah, spam. Do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. I think that's it. Cool. Thank you all. Thank you.